Hello, everybody. Welcome to Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who is respected by your peers. Become the athlete that you want to row with. I am Marlene Royal, and today I am joined by Jess DiCarlo, and we're going to be talking about Book of the Month. Uh, Rebecca is on holiday today. So um, without further ado, in today's show, we are going to feature Book of the Month by Jess DiCarlo, and then we're going to go on to talk about what are limiting beliefs, okay? So what 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 is that voice in your mind tapping on your mind that uh, interferes with what you want to do? And And some of us out there, we call it the inner, the voice of the inner lizard. So we're going to talk a little bit about limiting beliefs and how to set yourself on a good course uh, during this holiday period if those limiting beliefs are kind of knocking knocking on the door. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Jess. Hi, Jess. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Hi, everyone. Um, and uh, as we're, we're just... Uh, waiting for the snowstorm here in, in uh, Eastern North America. You know, it hasn't materialized yet, but uh, Rebecca is um, sitting in sunny summer weather because she's down in the Southern Hemisphere. But, you know, us in the Northern Hemisphere, we're, we're kind of like getting ready for ice and snow. And I guess it all goes along with the holiday season, right? <laughs> so. Yep. And so... Tell us about what's our book of the month today, Jess. Well, I picked out um, an old one that I didn't even know existed. Um, I just found it. I think Amazon recommended it. It's the complete Dr. Rowing by Andy Anderson. (laughs) His name isn't on the cover, (laughs) but there's a picture on the back. But um, he is Dr. Rowing uh, of uh, the famous Dr. Rowing column in Rowing News. Um, and so I was thrilled to get a copy of the book because, um, I, you know, my rowing news are, uh, uh, don't go back that far. I think I have them maybe for five years. But, um, yeah, so it's it's really good. And the first story is um, I actually I think I almost forgot about it. It's the famous story of the Japanese rowers who, um, well, it's a myth. But the the story that they rode so hard that their hearts exploded after the race. At least that's oh, how that's how I learned it when I was a uh, uh, a young rower starting out at the University of Pittsburgh. It was actually on a T-shirt um, that we had my first year, and um, so that was the first myth that he debunked, and it was debunked. Um, and there doesn't seem to be much truth to it, but. Um, well, he always, I, I think, I think that's always been the role of Dr. Rowing. You know, he either, he either looks for the absurd, you know, what are the absurd stories or rumors that are circulating in rowing? Um, if so, he'll, he'll go and try to uncover what the real truth is, or he'll just like tell you some, some 
crazy story that that he just knows and you know puts yeah. it out there or explores like the name of a word or something like that so yeah i love the word stuff like the word origins like i think he did weigh enough one year or one uh issue um you know some people say weigh enough some people say I don't know what else they say. That's what I learned. Let her run. Let her run is another one. Yeah, let, there's a little bit of difference there, but um, he he actually, at least he was the coach at Groton School in Massachusetts. Um, but uh, we have to find out if he's still there. I'm not sure, but as far as I know, he should still be there. But yeah, there's so many famous names mentioned in the book. Um, Larry Gluckman comes to mind. Um, what were you know, some of I'll, your what were some of your fame the the of your favorite stories that he told in the book? Well, I mean, I like them all, but I just can't get past the. Um, he calls it in the book, seat racing a Twinkie. Seat racing a Twinkie. <laughs> and I heard it as a ham sandwich, which it was on. Um, I think in rowing or no row two K, the ham sandwich of truth. Okay. <laughs> um, but he has it in the book as a Twinkie. And the story is that, um, you know, I think most people know what seat racing is. You know, you swap out two rowers um, to see who's faster for, for boat lineups. Well, <clears throat> in this particular story, he said the, you know, the rowers were just sort of phoning it in during practice. And he decided to, I guess they were kind of seat racing also, but um, he, before he was swapping, he said, uh, I'm going to swap out this Twinkie. He, <laughs> he had like, his lunch. Like put a Twinkie in the boat? Yeah, put the Twinkie on the seat as opposed to another rower. And my coach told me this a few years ago, Nate, um, and that's when I first heard the story. Um, and he also used ham sandwich, but I, I thought, you know, that doesn't make sense with the idea being that, yeah, you could be, your technique could be so bad that you're basically slowing the boat down. Yeah. Or non-existent. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, the boat is going to be faster. You know, you're so bad that the boat is going to be faster with one less person. Oh dear. That's pretty awful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like crushing. But so, you know, he was trying to debunk whether any coach actually ever did this or if it was just a rumor or what. And he finally got um, the coach he found is uh, Steve Wagner. Yeah, yeah. Steve, I guess he's. Steve, well, Steve was the, Steve was the um, varsity coach at Rutgers for many, many years. And Steve okay. was also the, the director at Craftsbury for many years until. Until oh, okay. about um, until the early until early two thousand, um, Steve was the the director at Craftsbury as well. Okay, well it says he he talked to him and and Steve said yes he admitted that he had done it. Oh. And <laughs> this was in um, in the late seventies. He was a a coach at FIT. I guess that's yep, Florida. Florida Institute of Technology. Yep. Yeah, and he yeah. He said, he was in the coach's lunch and he said, I'll bet this spark plug could pull harder than you are right now. And uh, yeah, he did. He swapped out 
oh, oh, the, the, um, Andy asked him, you know, was it a Twinkie? And he said, no, I used a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That was his favorite one. Oh dear. So yeah, I just like, I just love that story. That to me is like the classic rowing story, but there are so many other good ones. There's stuff in here about, um, like Redgrave and the, the, you know, port versus starboard, who's stronger, that kind of stuff. I just love all of it. Well, I think it's, it's, what year was it published? Um, 2001. Okay. Okay. So it's been, so it's been out there for a while, but I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a classic book of rowing stories. Um, and you know, Andy, Andy is a really, really humorous writer. He w he was a, a coxswain. I mean, he was a coxswain at Trinity college and, and, you know, went on, you know, continued a career in coxing and then, and then became a coach. And he was actually, um, the U.S. women's lightweight coach back in the, you know, middle to late '80s. Um, Andy was Andy was the lightweight coach of the women's of the women's four for quite quite a number of years, and they oh, they wow. had quite um, a long winning streak at the World Championships. Um, and then uh, you know, but at the same time, he was coaching at Groton and has has been a teacher at Groton. But I think if that book was published in 2001 um he's due for another one <laughs> yeah that's i was wondering that because you know how many good stories you know must he have to put in there so yeah, i well, guess these were some of the early um articles in rowing news sure absolutely yeah and he's in he's in every issue of of uh rowing magazine you know so uh, you know, I'm sure that people people can can follow it there. But, you know, he he always comes up with some, you know, it's always something really funny and really absurd. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> and, and just rowing, you know, rowing history that nobody talks about. So it's really it's really kind of fun. Um, uh, we have a we have a, a comment here from uh, Michael Heisey. Uh, we put a Twinkie on a seat of a rower who missed practice to show her. We had a good practice without her. <laughs> I love it. Oh gosh! And then uh, also, uh, Mike Wagner is here. Welcome, Mike from Long Island. And uh, Mike Wait, says, "Isn't isn't that the coach's name?" No, that's Steve Wagner. But Mike oh. Mike knows Mike <laughs> Wagner knows Steve Wagner, so we're 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 okay from there. And then uh, um, also we have. Rich from Casper, Wyoming. So welcome, welcome, Rich. But yeah, how would that make you feel if um, you were, you know, you're the absentee Twinkie, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I guess you know. Anyway, it's it's all in good spirit of the the holiday time, and uh, I definitely encourage people like look, you know, look up the book, look up the book, and um, maybe maybe we'll write to Andy and ask him to do like volume two, and yeah. Uh, you know, if if people are um, looking forward to some really good rowing uh, rowing tales, for example, like Rebecca, Rebecca has just published her book, the Rowing Tales 2022 version. Um, so that is also available. And um, she collects, you know, she's been doing it for a number of years now, and she collects all kinds of stories that people send into her about just you know crazy happenings on on the water and um she has a number of years 
of Rowing Tales now and has just published like the, the recent version of that. So that is available on Amazon. Um, but the, the sponsor of today's podcast is the State of Masters Rowing Survey. And this is a survey that here at Faster Masters Rowing, um, we started doing this last year. And so this is the second annual State of Masters Rowing Survey. And I'm going to put the link here in the, the show notes of how you access the survey. And basically what our goal is with this survey is to find out like, how is your rowing going? What you know, what is your rowing situation as a master's rower? Um, the survey is primarily multiple choice, but there's some questions where we, you know, you can write in longhand and give us answers because that also helps us um, get an idea of things like what, what would you like to learn more about or where would you like, you know, this part of rowing to go. But the majority of the survey is it's multiple choice. It should probably only take someone about 10 or 12 minutes to complete the survey. So it's not, not super long. And, um, you know, last year we had a terrific, uh, response to, to the survey and, um, you know, it gives us information. It helps us inform our federations. It helps inform what we do at faster masters rowing. So it gives us, you know, it's a way that people can express like, how is your rowing going? What is, you know, what is your daily rowing situation like? What would you like to see for masters? And, you know, our focus is masters. So um, this is our choice to give everybody a voice. So uh, this is the, the link here will be in the show notes. And, um, you know, if you have time and you're listening to the podcast, you know, please, please go to the survey and, you know, spend a couple minutes and tell us what your state of rowing is, um, because I think it's really helpful the more we know about what people want and what they're doing, the more we can help support what our federations are doing and what we're doing and, you know, keep driving, keep building masters rowing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did mine already. It was very quick. Um, maybe 10 minutes. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't, it shouldn't take too long. You know, there are, there are a couple questions that we ask for longhand answers, which, you know, give us some, some good information but you know the idea is to as we said you know sort of you know what is the state of masters rowing right now you know last year we were coming off of a covid year and this year um we're kind of back to racing we're a little bit you know more or less getting back to normal schedule and um you know so so the picture is probably going to be a little bit different this year too so cool yeah yeah, the results definitely were very interesting last year just um you know how many people get coaching and it's just yeah, how many, yeah, how many times per week and who follows a training program and who doesn't and what do people want to learn more of and what would they like more more knowledge about. So all of these things are, are really, really helpful to us. And um, our, our next topic today, what are limiting beliefs? Ooh, we all don't we all have that little voice in the back of our head sometimes saying like, oh, this is really getting too hard. And do I have time to do this? And um, since we're going into holiday season and um, for our listeners, um, this, you know, after this podcast, we're, we're going to take a break for the holidays. So we will be back the first week of January. Um, so let me just give a definition of limiting beliefs and I'll see what you think about it, Jess. 
I think we we all we all struggle with our own little demons. Oh yes, I would say. So just here's a general definition. Uh, limiting beliefs are beliefs we hold about our abilities or potential that can prevent us from pursuing something we want or need. For example, these beliefs are formed unconsciously, inner lizard. Uh, they are treated as truths. They assume that there is an undeniable evidence that supports such a truth. They have a negativity bias rather than assuming we can assume that we can't. And they might be excuses, justifications, worries, perfectionist thinking, fears, etc. Sometimes they can be referred to as a fixed mindset voice. I'm not smart enough. I'll probably just fail at it. They won't choose me. So, hmm, that... that <laughs> that kind of it's it's a lot to swallow isn't it <laughs> yeah definitely and i mean i i sometimes think i'm i have a little bit of the opposite problem like i can be a little bit delusional about <laughs> my big dreams and plans and then the perfectionist nature is that if i can't follow my program perfectly and you know this marlene you know, what do I do? I just don't do it at all instead of. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for limiting beliefs, I guess I do, you know, that's become sort of a limiting belief. Like I can't follow a plan. You know, I can't stick to it. You know, what's right. wrong it's, with me? Yes. The, the, the perfectionist thinking, right? It's, it's, and there's, there's nothing wrong with a perfectionist ideal. If you say, okay, if I do this 80%, it's good. Yeah. Like, you know, we have to look at is perfectionism 100% or is perfectionism 80%? Because perfectionism is really difficult, right? Because that 80% is fine, but that last 20% is going to take you as much time as that 80% did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if, I mean, that's that's what I'm, you know, I remember you telling me years ago, the first time after I started working with you and I fell off the wagon with my training plan. And I said, you know what, I just can't make myself do it sometimes. And you said, well, I think you have to learn to fall in love with the process. You know, the process of training and rather than being so focused on the numbers, like mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I still am working on my sub eight minute 2K time. Um, but I have gotten better at learning to enjoy the process because, you know, even whether we are on the erg or rowing outdoors, we, the, the practice time versus race time is just, you know, it's very, of course, no, absolutely. And, and, and I, I mean, I think that brings up a really good point. Like there, there's, um, a, a doctor, Amy Johnson, she's a psychologist. She's Amy Johnson. She's a PhD. And she wrote a book. She's written a number of books, but, but one book is called Just a Thought. And it really fits into how you deal with limiting beliefs or how do you change habits? Like people are, you know, people think a lot about, oh gosh, it's just a habit. I've got to change this. And, you know, they, they put themselves through all kinds of somersaults and rigmaroles and washing machines to 
you know, tracking and writing things down and, you know, putting one quarter from one jar into the next jar, you know, to try to break a habit. And she comes at the limiting beliefs and habits, like from a whole different point of view. And, um, you know, in her own life, she, she, um, ex- you know, had problems with eating disorders. And that's kind of where, where she was exploring this space. Like, how do I, like, how do I cure myself? How do I, how, how do I fix my habit or how do I fix my limiting belief? But these, these, you know, voices that say, oh, I really can't do this. And, oh my God, I don't have the time for this. And that's just too hard. And, oh, you know, I thought I could, but I couldn't, you know, so what, what she talks about, which, which I think is really interesting is what, like exactly what they say here, these beliefs are formed unconsciously. So where do they come from? They come from the oldest part of your brain, the most primitive area of your brain. And she calls it the inner lizard, which I love. And the, the, you know, these, these old centers in your brain are designed for survival. So all they care about is making sure that you don't do anything that freaks them out. You're supposed to do everything the way you've always done it. You're supposed to do everything that's like soup, keeps you safe. Everything's fine. So so your inner lizard, your your subconscious doesn't like change. Yeah, we seek and comfort. Yeah, it likes, well, it likes routine. It likes comfort. Anything that is perceived as change is is dangerous. So what her point is, is, you know, she has an, uh, her book, It's Just a Thought, is this. She says, okay, you have this thought. This thought is coming from a subconscious center, a very old center of your brain. It's your inner lizard. This thought is a habit. And it's going to recur because every time X happens, this thought happens, right? So some people have addictive thinking or addictive thoughts that repeat. And her point is there, there's kind of a little window of time where, okay, you have this thought, like, I want to eat that donut, but you're trying to lose weight. But hmm, I know if I eat that donut, it's going to be really, it's going to feel good, you know, and I like the, that donut, right? So, but she said, there's this, always this moment where there's the thought. The thought is not truth. The thought is actually doesn't mean anything unless you take action on it. If you don't take action on it, it doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. It evaporates. It's so, just a thought. Yeah, it's literally just a thought. Yeah. A thought, things only mean anything unless you put them into action. So like her point is, okay, you can have a limiting belief, which is, um, oh, th- th- there's no way I, I can row a two-minute split. But if you just don't pay attention to it and say, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, that's that's my, you know, addictive thought. That's my thought telling me this. But you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to practice and I'm just going to do what I can do right now and I'm gonna accept that and not pay not pay attention to it. And the same thing with like trying to change habits, right? Okay, I want to eat, 
at six o'clock, I eat a donut or at noon, I eat a donut. Um, if th there's a moment when there's the urge, that's the thought saying, oh, you know, it's 12 o'clock. You know, you know that you like to eat a donut at 12 o'clock. But what if you just wait 90 seconds and you don't eat the donut? The thought's going to disappear. And so, so the, the, one of the things she talks about in terms of changing habits is, okay, you have the thought. It's a habit. If you feed the thought with the action, you reinforce it. If you don't take action on it, it's going to start to evaporate. She said, it's like, it's like feeding a cat, right? If you feed a cat every day, you know, say a stray cat comes to your front door and you feed the cat. And if you put out food every day, the cat's going to come and eat. But if you stop putting out food, the cat's going to come and then go away. But then it's going to come the next day and go away. Eventually, the cat's not going to come anymore because the food's not there. Yeah. And and I, I I always thought like in terms of limiting excuses or um, how you handle habitual because limiting beliefs are habitual thoughts and how you handle them is if you pay attention to it and you act in the way that that thought wants you to act, you're reinforcing it. Yeah. And if you just take a pause, take a break and just let it pass. And then you go on about your business. Little by little, that, that habitual thought is, is going to change. So perhaps um, like you say, when, when you're, somebody says, Oh, I can't hit this split. Um, if they have that thought, they could say, well, maybe I can't hit that split right now, but I'm getting closer or, you know what I mean? If you come up to some response that makes changes, the habit, it's going to start to replace, you know, whatever you're giving, whatever you give attention to is reinforced. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of interesting because when she writes about changing habits, she said, if don't use willpower, according in her model, willpower doesn't work because when you're, fighting with your willpower, you're actually reinforcing the habit because you're paying attention to it a lot. And that by paying sense. attention to what you're trying not to do, you reinforce what you're trying not to do. So it's kind yeah. of it's kind of funny, but it, it to me it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I I follow a lot of like mindfulness, um, you know, psychology, habit formation type stuff on social media. And I figure, you know, like, it's just reinforcing sort of positive thoughts and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it really does make a difference. I do think that thoughts are like negative thoughts are sort of their habits to some degree. And, you know, just Absolutely. like, I, yes. yeah, I've learned in, you know, mindfulness training, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it like we shouldn't judge our thoughts uh, that just makes them stronger you know to your point about the willpower so yeah it's very interesting for sure it, it is and, and you know your mind is tricky so we'll tell our audience you know when we're talking about limiting beliefs and go back to go back to this list we were reading um we treat them as if they are truth yeah but they're not they're just 
a thought. And, and, and again, you take this thought and the thought doesn't mean you, you can have many thoughts, but if you don't connect it to action, it evaporates. Right. And so one of the, um, this, this, uh, we'll put in the show notes. Um, I, I printed this off. It's actually from, uh, the University of, of California at Davis um, and from a seminar, Success Coaching and Learning Strategies. And um, one of the things they have here as an activity is instead of letting limiting beliefs stop us from taking action, identify them, analyze them, and ultimately strip them of power using positivity and possibility. So, and then there's a series of questions, use the following questions, to process and let go of limiting beliefs. And um, we'll put this link in the show notes. But for example, number one is what limiting belief do you want to work on? You know, when you talk to when you talk yourself out of taking action, what do you tell yourself? And and that's the thing. So we're all the world. I, I think the only thing we understand is action. Like when in doubt, just do something, right? Just Go through the walk motions. Out, yeah. Walk out the door, get a glass of water. You know, it, everything is always connected. Like do put your, put your shoes on, <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to um, do your workout in the, you do want to do your workout in the morning, but you can't get your, get your crap together to do it. Right. So, okay. Here's uh, this is a Mel Robbins thing, right? She says, morning routine takes five minutes put your iphone in the or your alarm clock in your bathroom the alarm goes off get out of bed go go into the bathroom you know wash your face brush your teeth give yourself a high five put your workout clothes on immediately yeah don't even entertain the thought don't even think not, about it yeah. like your workout clothes are there you have no choice. That's what you must put on. And then you go and you, you know. You'll be more likely to do your workout because you've totally you come do, so far. <laughs> you'll totally do your workout. And 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 actually, one of the things she says in um, one of her, her podcasts is that it's proven that even if you just exercise for two minutes, you still get the dopamine hit in the morning. Wow. So even if you don't have time to do your workout, your proper workout, right? You get up, you wash yourself, you high five yourself in the mirror, you put your workout clothes on, you go downstairs and say you just do a warm up for two minutes, you still get the dopamine hit, which is going to boost your energy for the day, put you in yep. a more positive frame of mind. But um uh, one, one kind of saying that I like is if you put your yoga pants on, you're not going to go to the bar and have a drink. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, you know, we, we, but, but there are things like, like you don't even have to think you just put on your rowing trow. And when you put your tr- rowing trow on, like, you're not going to go outside and shovel the snow, right? You're not going to yeah. go garden, you know, you're not going to go make a nice, omelet for breakfast you're gonna go sit on the erg so yeah you know put all these little little things you know if you put your training clothes on you're not going to starbucks right so yeah you know all these little things so just little things that put you into action but just 
just do it a little bit. And I think your point, um, the, the opposite, the perfectionist thinking is take that perfectionist thinking and just break it down into little steps. And, and that's, you know, that's an important part of, you know, just checking off a checkbox. Oh, I did that. I mean, no, and I think I have a problem with this too. Like no matter how insignificant it is, I was just thinking that it, it counts. Like, you know, you have to take, you have to take that first step. That first step might be Google sandpaper. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, or it might be call the hardware store and see when they're open. Or, you know, I mean, sometimes the, the next action step is so insignificant that you think it doesn't even matter. But yeah, just by doing that little step, and then the next day you do another little step, you know, then then you're gonna you get compound interest, right? You're gonna start start creating yeah. momentum there. Or that little like if I make it to the erg to sit on it and do my warm up, I'm probably gonna do my workout. I mean, you know, right? So but that's that time you're too. you're invested, right? So maybe yeah. you just say, okay, I'm just gonna sit down and you know take a couple strokes and and, yeah. and don't don't overwhelm yourself with like this you know, one hour block of something ahead of you. Yeah. Say, well, okay. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to go like, I'm just going to go through the pick drill. Well, and the thing that always got me was if, okay. So even if I don't stick to my pace, you know, for that particular workout, it's still, I'm still going to be miles ahead of doing nothing. Yes. Yeah. You it's know? money in the bank, right? It's train training, training in the bank. And, you know, even if I think this is important for, our listeners too that okay it's holiday season we're all we all get derailed you know we stay up too late we go to a holiday party what whatever you know people come over you know just it's it's that time of the year even if you do something it still counts it still keeps you on track maybe you just spend 10 minutes stretching maybe you just do a warm up you know maybe you don't have time for for a, a regular workout but you go for a walk for 20 minutes you know just doing something counts i think it always yep. counts yeah definitely well on that note i think you know hopefully we've inspired people a bit but you know li limiting beliefs um we do have control over them and we don't you know they they're all talking to us but um they're not truth unless we act on them. And so I think yeah. that I think that's an important thing. And just, you know, we can we can say, oh, when I hear this, I decide to go have a glass of sparkling water. When I hear this, I decide to put on my rowing shorts and you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let the chatter happen. Yeah. It doesn't have to control what you do. Exactly. Because it is exactly it is exactly it is exactly uh, chatter and and um you know, I think just looking at things, taking little steps and realizing that, A, you're human. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's ever going to be perfect. But, you know, if you're if you're accomplishing 80 percent of what you want to do, you're doing quite well. Yeah. And eventually, if, if consistent, if you can stay consistent with 80 percent, you're going to accomplish so much, you know, yes. whether that's training or whatever. 
yeah, in anything, you know, I mean, it, for anyone, it could, it could be their, you know, diet, it could be their financial goals, it could be their training, it could be, you know, learning how to get the blade out of the water cleanly and stop feathering mm. under the water, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, if you get one out of five or two out of 10, you know, that's 80%, you know, that's, you know, you're yeah. getting there. <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely. Better than nothing. Absolutely. But the point is, is, you know, awareness and uh, I encourage people, you know, check out, check out this link and go through the activity. I think, I think it's a really good way to just sort of take a look at your thinking and how we can move things forward. And um, I think uh, we'd like to thank everybody who sponsors the podcast. We couldn't do it if it wasn't for our listeners and uh, our show wouldn't be possible without the support of our podcast listeners. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 per month and just go to fastermastersrowing.com slash podcast. And uh, all the information will be there. And we would like to say happy Christmas to everyone and have a safe new year. And we will be back the first week of January. So thank you, Jess, and have a great holiday. And uh, you know, good holidays to all of our listeners too. And, uh, you know, go, go win the game. <laughs> Thank yep. you. Happy holidays, everybody. Yes. Bye everyone.